We're talking about love today. Now, we think we understand love. Some of us have been married a long time. Some of us have been married a short time and already experts. Uh, Doesn't matter what spectrum we're on, love is always something that we can we can learn. And so today we're going we're gonna to talk about love and I'm going to do it in a different perspective. I'm not going to give you a definition of love. I'm going to give you an action step at the end that's going to involve love. So often in our Western world, when we talk about following Jesus, we talk about it like this, Jesus and me. Now, Jesus and me is a very good thing. We talk about our personal relationship with Jesus. That's a great thing. But I believe as we look at Scripture, we can make the argument that not only should we have a personal relationship with Jesus, but even more important, we should have a shared relationship with Jesus. The relationship with God is built like no other relationship because it needs to be built in community. Part of our problem, I believe, is that we've been told it's always so personal, your relationship with Jesus. But there's something powerful that happens when we come together as a church. Let me explain this to you. If you you pray alone, you know that that can be very powerful. But when you pray with others... I'm telling you, there's something that happens when you have faith with others. And you feel like you're really touching the heart of God. The same thing with worship. You and I can worship in our car all alone, and I see some of you driving and worshiping. Maybe you're just singing to the radio. You can worship like crazy all by yourself. But there's something that's more powerful when we gather. We worship together. I'm going to keep saying this statement here in a minute, and I I want you to just let it run through your your head. But I believe we are a faith-filled. We're big thinking. We're bet-the-farm risk-takers. This is who we are at Daybreak and Renfrew. You see, that's why we're figuring out this network thing, how we actually work together. I want us to never insult God with small thinking or safe living. We want to seek God for the impossible. We want to believe God for miracles. We want to dream that God would do exceedingly and abundantly more in our lives through our church and for his glory. That generations would know who he is because of Renfrew and Daybreak. We want to be faith-filled in all that we do. I want to start this message off by laying a quick foundation. I want us to look at two different stories about Jesus. And here's the interesting thing with these stories is you're going to see that Jesus was amazed at two different times. He was amazed for two different reasons. In fact, he was amazed at opposite ends of the spectrum. The first story is about Jesus when he was in his hometown. And he's teaching and Some people were offended, and they said this, Who does this? Who does he think he is? Doesn't he know he's a son of a carpenter? He shouldn't be saying these kinds of things. 
Mark chapter 6, and I believe it'll come on your screen, shows us this. He, it says this in verse 5. He could not do any miracles there except lay uh, hands on a few sick people and heal them. And then look at that word. He was amazed at their lack of faith. I mean, it's an interesting little story there. He couldn't do any miracles there except lay hands on just a few sick people. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Jesus was amazed. He was blown away. He was shocked. He was stunned that they didn't have the belief that he could actually do the power, have the power that he had. He was amazed at their lack of faith. The, the second story, if you have your Bibles, we're going to jump into Luke. And there was this story of a centurion, a guard, who the Jewish people would have known surely hated. Jesus because of, of how they operated. The guard, the centurion, had a sick servant that was dying. And so the guard, the centurion, sent somebody to Jesus and said this, Hey, Jesus, can you come to this guy? And whenever Jesus met up with the centurion, the centurion, the guard, said this, You don't need to go to my house to pray for this servant. At your very word, I believe the, ser the servant will be healed. At your very word, Jesus, you say it and your servant will be healed. Luke chapter 7 verse 9 says this. When Jesus was amazed, when Jesus heard this, sorry, he was amazed. And he turned to the crowd following him and said this, I tell you the truth. I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Two different times, Jesus was amazed. Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith, and he was amazed at the man's great faith. Here's the question to start this morning. If Jesus looked at our faith level right here, those things that we're attempting to do for his glory... Those things that we believe God's calling us to do. Would God be amazed at how big, how crazy, how huge our faith is? Or would he be amazed at how little our faith is? I just want you to think about it for a second. Don't run past that question. Would Jesus be amazed at our faith? Or would Jesus be shocked at how little faith we have? In fact, what I, I want to do, I, I want to just kind of help you re be really honest this morning. This week as I was wrestling through this, I needed to be honest with myself. I want you to actually take a step further than just thinking it in your head. I, I want you in your mind to actually rank what your faith would be. One being low, ten being high. I want you to think about your last week, okay? So let's not think of our life. Let's just think of our last week. That's easy to remember. I know some of us will forget what happened yesterday, but let's, let's try to remember this last week. What great steps... What huge steps of faith did we take in the last week? 
Did we attempt something so bold, so daring, that if God didn't come through for us, there's no way that it would have ever happened? I want you to think about your prayer life. What did you pray for? Imagine this. Imagine for a minute if God answered every single prayer that you prayed last week with a yes, and it was immediate. I mean, you, you said it, and God was like, poof, there it is. You asked for it, and God said yes to everything. If God answered yes and immediately uh, gave you what you asked for, could you imagine what would be different in our world? For some of you, when I asked you to rank yourself, if you, have, if you would have given yourself an eight or nine, I mean, if you would have evaluated yourself that high, there would have been a lot of people who were healed of sickness. There might have been a child that was adopted into a family. There maybe would have been a marriage that was healed. There would have been some really cool things that would have been different if we actually were praying great prayers. Some of you, if you're like me this past week, your food would have been blessed really well. I mean, you made it to grandma's house safely. That's always funny. You're like, give us traveling mercy, God. Help us get there safely. Which about 99.9% .9 of the time, we'd get there anyways. Oh God, put angels around us as we travel. No, I'm not, I'm not talking about those prayers. I'm talking about the prayers for the world where if God answered every single prayer with a yes, what would be different? For some people, I'll put myself in this category, there would be nothing different in this world. And it's because we didn't just, we didn't pray a single prayer. We didn't attempt anything that was bold. We didn't attempt anything that was daring. Would God be amazed at, at my faith? Would God be blown away like he was with the centurion? Or would God say, Matt, you didn't attempt anything. You didn't pray anything. You didn't do anything significant in this past week. At daybreak and Renfrew, I believe God is calling us to be faith-filled, big thinking, bet the farm risk takers, that we're never going to, we're never going to have small thinking. Let me say that again. At daybreak and Renfrew, I believe God is calling us to be faith-filled, big-thinking, risk-the-farm risk-takers, to never insult God with small thinking or small living. And so, in order for us to take bold faith steps, I want to unpack that for you this morning. I want to give you three little things that you can work through this summer. And then we're going to bring it back to love. This time will end with our word for the summer, which is love, and how we actually do this. Here's the very first thing, and it describes us perfectly. You cannot play it safe and please God. We cannot play it safe and, and please God. The, 
The author of Hebrews said this in that great faith chapter in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. We could just stop there. Because anyone who comes to him, anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. In other words, you can do everything within your own power. And you never need the power of God. But guess what? You're living without faith. And what does verse 6 say? And without faith, it is impossible to please God. You see, the, the challenge is, and I think sometimes in our part of the world here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada... People kind of almost glorify faith. They think, okay, if you've got great faith, you're always going to have that faith face. You're never going to doubt. You're never going to have a bad day. You're always going to be just floating on this eternal faith. But the reality is our faith is a lot of times messy. It's not consistent it's not constant. It's not incredibly clean. There's going to be moments where we have a great faith and the next minute we're overwhelmed with fear and doubt. And sometimes you can say this, I feel like God really spoke to me. I know it. And then the next minute you're like, I'm not so sure. I don't know. And it's hard to follow sometimes. It's hard to follow a God that we don't see. It's hard to take faith steps. That's why it's called faith. Because it's not proven what's going to happen. You see, there's the, I believe God, you're calling me to do this, and here I go. But remember, you can't play it safe and please God. One of the, the greatest examples in Scripture is, is from Peter. When all the disciples were in the boat, Jesus walks up on the water. He's saying, hey guys, anyone want to come out and see me? And Peter, let's call him the crazy guy, gets out of the boat and starts walking on water. And everybody criticizes him when he sinks. Look, Peter, you failed. You looked at the wind and at the waves, you got, you got scared, and you sank. But guess what? There were 11 guys that still stayed in the boat. He walked on water before he failed. And so often, our fear of failure keeps us from taking that step of faith. Because people often think that failing means that I've missed out on God. Let me change that for us here at Renfrew and Daybreak. Failing is often the first step to discovering God. Never let the fear of failure stop you from taking a step of faith. Don't start asking yourself, what if I get out of the boat? Ask yourself, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to take that step. I don't know who is going to speak to you, but for some of you, you're playing it way too safe. And if we want to just declare scripture, you can't play it safe and please God. I would even argue this this morning. If you're not failing every now and then, then you're playing it way too safe. 
Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So let's go back to that original story. Would God be amazed at our great faith? Or would he be amazed at our lack of faith? You can't play it safe and please God. All right, let's keep moving. The second thing, as long as you have a guarantee, you don't have faith. As long as it's guaranteed, you don't have faith. Hebrews 11, back to that chapter in in Hebrews. Hebrews 11, verse 1 says this, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Notice, it's not this. What's guaranteed is what we hope for. We're still hoping, I hope this is God, I hope this works. It's confidence that what we hope for actually will happen. It gives us an assurance of what we cannot see. The problem for many of us is this. I want a guarantee. I want to know if I actually take that step of faith that it's going to work out. Do you remember dating when you were young? It was basically like this. Do you like me? Check the box. You always tried to sit near that girl or that guy. But the reality is when we're dealing with God, sometimes the box is maybe. God, I think you're calling me to do this, but I'm not too sure. Is it you, God? How do I know? How do I know it's you? Listen, you can have faith. And you can have control. But you can't have both. Let me say that again. You can choose to have faith or you can choose to have control. You can't have faith and control. Sometimes I think you and I just need to say, I think God's calling me to do this. Or even I hope God's calling me to do this. Or even I believe God's calling me to do this. You can have faith. But you can't have control. As churches this year, we're going to do some things that I don't know how they're going to turn out. And that's okay. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but somebody's going to start a business, somebody's going to start a ministry, and you want a guarantee. And you're looking at God and you're going, God, what are steps three, four, and five? But God wants you to take step one. You follow God. The only guarantee that you have in this life is that God himself is faithful. So, what are we? We're big risk, faith-filled, bet-the-farm kind of people. The third principle is this, to step toward your calling, you've got to step away from your security. Yep, you got to let go of the tree. To step toward your call, you've got to step away from security. But Matt, what's going to happen? How is it going to end up? Guess what? If we knew that, it wouldn't be faith. 
This is exactly what Abraham did in one of those crazy, faith-filled stories in the Old Testament. It actually is reflected in the New Testament in verse 8 of Hebrews 11, where it says this, by... Verse 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 8 says this, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a new place, he would later receive his inheritance, obeyed and went. And then this little tagline, even though he did not know where he was going. Abraham, when called to a place where he would later receive his inheritance, obeyed and went even though he didn't know where he was going. Even though he didn't have a clue, he let go of that tree. He took the first step. And guess what, friends? When we take that first step, when we keep our eyes fixed on the author and perfecter of our faith, and suddenly by his power, we're not walking by sight anymore, we actually start walking by faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God, but great faith pleases God in a great way. Let's go back to that question. Would God be amazed at our amazing faith? Or would he be amazed that we have access to his power, his throne, his throne room? If you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit dwells within us, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. You have access to go before God and ask Him. He hears our prayer. Would He be amazed at our lack of faith? So how does this play out in our lives? I believe it will play out individually, but more importantly, I believe it will play out corporately. I believe that God is going to speak to some of you this morning, and you're going to take that faith step. And I believe that God is going to talk to us as churches and we're going to take some faith steps together. For you, as a follower of Jesus, you may take a faith step to share your faith with someone that doesn't know Jesus. Maybe it's that family member. Maybe that's the, it's your boss. Maybe it's someone you hang out at the gym with. And you know they really need the truth. And you're not sure what's going to happen. Take that step of faith. And when you do, the, the box may say maybe, and that's okay. You might be wrestling going, are they going to respond positively? That's okay, you don't know. But your faith will be built when you obey God with all your heart. Philemon chapter 6 says this, powerful words. I pray that your partnership with, with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. For some of you, your faith step is this. You're going to tithe for the first time in your life. You've heard it. You've thought about it. You've made excuses. And suddenly you're going to do something that makes no rational sense. You're going to return 10% to God and trust Him that He's going to bless you. And your faith is going to grow to a 5 or a 6 or a 7 when you take that step of faith. Some of you are going to step out and start a ministry, and in the back of your mind, you're wrestling with this. Am I good enough? Do I know enough? What's going to happen? 
I have no clue, and that's okay. And several months later, you're going to sit back and say this, this is my favorite thing in life. I'm sharing God's word with others. We're growing spiritually. Thank God I took that step of faith. And suddenly, as you individually grow in your faith, guess what happens to us as a church? We grow in our faith. And all of a sudden, we start to see that we as the church, that our faith can actually touch God. And suddenly, as a church, our faith grows. And all of a sudden, we realize that we're now faith-filled, big-thinking, bet-the-farm risk-takers. So church, we're not going to sit back. Listen to me. We are thinking big. We are thinking huge. Our God does not give us a small commission, but a great commission that everyone would know him, that the gospel would be preached all around the world. Guess what? I see the world as a big world. We're just getting started. And I believe that God wants us, whether we're as individuals or together as a church, to think big. Because faith pleases the heart of God. And when God looks at you and me, guess what? I want God to look at me and say, I'm amazed with your faith, Matt. And when God looks at Daybreak or he looks at Renfrew, I want God to look at us and go, I'm amazed at their faith. Because I believe with all my heart that God wants to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ask, think, or imagine according to his power at work in the church so that he would be glorified for generations to come. So what are we? We're faith-filled. We're big thinking. We're bet-the-farm risk-takers. You and I are never going to insult God with small living or small thinking. We're playing it safe. Here's how we're going to do it this summer. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love your enemies. Those are the words of Jesus. Jesus said that loving God and loving our neighbors are the greatest way that we can show him that we love him. On his last night with his disciples, Jesus said that the followers of him, the disciples, that the world would know how much we love each other is how much we love God. I needed to ask myself this question this week. Why is it so hard to love ourselves and love our neighbors? You see, to truly love our neighbors, we actually have to make a commitment to just doing that. We need to love and be present we forget that Jesus loves us. We're chosen by him. He calls us his friends. We need to open the gift of love this summer. We need to experience the love of Jesus so that we can share it with friends, family, and enemies too. So, this summer, open up the gift of love. And as we open up that gift of love, faith starts to build in us. Let me pray. God, thank you, even in the midst of 
wrong funeral arrangements, even in the midst of mics not working, you're still a God that is speaking. And God, for my friends that are gathered here or at daybreak or around in their homes, may the simple statement that we're faith-filled, risk-takers, bet-the-farm kind of people, may that truly be the mark of who we are. God, we love and adore you. Thank you for the gift of gathering. Thank you for the gift of being called. Thank you that you are greater than anything in this world. Thank you that you own the cattle on a thousand hills. We worship you. We adore you. We declare that you are God. We ask all this in your most powerful name. Amen. Amen.